Hey, good morning as well. Merry Christmas to you again. And, which hasn't been mentioned yet, happy Boxing Day. So maybe it's been this note on your calendar for years and you've always wondered, what is Boxing Day? Well, uh, our friends across the pond in the UK celebrate today. And traditionally, Boxing Day was a day to give generously to the poor. Isn't that cool? So December 26th, a day that uh, those in the UK would think towards how they can be generous, particularly towards uh, those that don't have much. And so maybe that's something you even want to do out of today. Who knows how God will call you. But happy Christmas, happy Boxing Day to you on this 26th. Grab your Bible. Uh, There's Bibles if you're here in the room, in the seat rack in front of you. If you're watching at home, I'm going to give you a minute to run back to your bedroom and grab your Bible or your phone. Either way will work. So we're looking at the NLT version today. And I want you to go to Luke chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament. Luke chapter 2. Written by what we think was a doctor, uh, Dr. Luke, who also inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote the book of Acts later in the New Testament. So Luke chapter 2 is where we're at. And this is actually where we left off last time we gathered as a church on Christmas Eve, uh, just about 48 hours ago as Eric led us through Luke 2. The story of the birth of Jesus And then this incredible account of an angel appearing to the shepherds and telling them this good news. And the shepherds became the first missionaries. They became the first evangelists to tell others that Emmanuel, God, was here. God was with us. And so that's where we left off um, a couple days ago on Christmas Eve. Now, go from Luke 2. I know it took you a minute to find that. And I'm going to make you move again. But uh, go further into the Gospel of Luke. Go into Luke chapter 10. So go from 2 all the way over to 10. And this is going to be like that Christmas card you receive from a family. And it felt like the card that you're getting now, like, wow, their kids have totally grown up in the last year. That's kind of what we're doing right now. We go from Jesus' birth. Now we're going to Jesus' age 30. (laughs) Just like that. So Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be sitting today. And this has become just one of my favorite chapters in the Bible in 2021. Uh, Luke Luke 10, 2 is what we've been calling our missionary challenge, our prayer call uh, in the last two years, really. Luke 10, 2 says that the workers are few and the harvest is plentiful. God Send more workers into your harvest. These are Jesus' words. And we've actually invited our church, all of us, to set our phone alarms or wherever we kind of are triggered by this reminder to pray at 10.02. 10.02 a.m. and for some of you late hours, uh, 10.02 p.m. To pray that God would raise up more workers here from Calvary Church to go into the plentiful harvest to tell others the good news that Jesus has come, Jesus has lived, Jesus has died, and Jesus has rose again. Amen? That's the good news we get to proclaim. And so Luke 10.2 talks about that. It sends workers out. 10.3, Jesus actually commissions 72 disciples to go out and to go into the villages and the neighborhoods Powered by the Lord himself, commissioned under the authority of Christ the King. 
to tell others this good news. Luke 10, 6 talks about that these disciples should look for a person of peace. And that's even a particular way you can pray for our missionaries, uh, not only this week, but, but going forward, that, that God would open persons of peace in the places that they're serving and ministering, that, that there would be nationals that would not even be Christians yet, but would somehow be drawn to their message and would open the doors and introduce them to family members and others. And so Jesus talks about looking for that type of person in Luke chapter 10, verse 6. And then you scroll down. And you see uh, the story of the Good Samaritan, one of my favorite stories in, in verse 25 through 37. Jesus puts the disciples on mission, but then he kind of turns the tables of that mission. It's not just to those that are comfortable to reach. It's actually even to the hard places. It's to the people that you wouldn't even think. And he, he turns the tables here and has the Samaritan be the good guy here in this story. And it says, go and do the same in verse 37. And then we hit verse 38, the, the final couple verses and the final story of Luke 10. In fact, I encourage you, this would be even a great uh, devotional later today. Just go through Luke 10. There's just so many nuggets of goodness here. But I want to land on this last story because it, it really sums up all of Luke 10. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Let's read it, or follow me as I read it out loud. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed, her, welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Anybody say that yesterday? <laughs> Don't look at the person next to you. Tell her to come and help me, Martha says. And then look what Jesus responds in verse 41. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So this first century dinner with Jesus has implications, matters to us here today in 2021. Can you imagine having dinner with Jesus? Can you imagine tonight you find out that Jesus is coming to your house for dinner. Here's a Da Vinci's take on the Last Supper. This is one meal that's accounted for in the scriptures. Uh, this painting now hangs in Milan, Italy. And, and it, it, very, it looks very proper and organized. But what do you think dinner with Jesus was really like? It probably wasn't exactly just stoic like this one. And so this morning we have some kids here. And so I want to invite, I know this will be a little bit of a courageous move, but if there are any kids, let's say like fifth grade on down, can you just come up for a minute? And I have a prize for you if you come up. So come on up, kids. In fact, I'll even show you if you don't trust me. I got your own pack of Skittles right here, if you come on up right here. So kids, come on up. I know your parents have told you never to take candy from old men, but uh, 
This is one time you're allowed to. Come on up, come on up, come on up. All right, come on up, guys. Well done, well done. Hey, can we give it up? This is, this is courageous. All right, come sit here on the stairs. Come sit on the stairs right here. Well done, guys. Come sit right here. Come on over, sit on the stairs. I'm going to grab a microphone. Good job. Aren't they cute? All right, hi, guys. Good to see you. Hey, I'm going to give you your Skittles in a minute, so don't worry. But uh, first, I have a couple of questions for you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, parents, be on standby here if we need you. Um, okay, we're talking today about Mary and Martha and this idea that they had dinner with Jesus. They had actual dinner with Jesus. If you could have dinner with Jesus today, tonight, what would you serve Jesus? Or in other words, what would you eat with Jesus? What would you give Jesus? Yeah, what would you give him? Fish, mashed potatoes. And for dessert, muffins and bread. <laughs> You've thought through that. Well done. Fish, mashed potatoes, muffins and bread. Yeah, what would you give Jesus for dinner? Some bread. Ooh, I like that. Others, what would you give Jesus? What would you make Jesus? What would you give him? I would give him um, Skittles. Oh. <laughs> You're going to get an opportunity to do that in a moment. Yeah, what would you give him? I would give him some steak. Ooh, steak would be really good. Yeah, what would you give him? Tacos. <laughs> I like that. One more. What would you give Jesus for dinner? I could give him fish and meat. Ooh, I like that. That's well done. You guys, you're actually, oh, one more, one more. What would you give him? Steak, mashed potatoes, and green beans. Oh, green beans. I think... Jesus would like green beans, yeah. So can I show you some of the things that Jesus would have? So in the first century, a typical dinner would include bread. This is actually bread from Julian. This was given to me by Pastor John Sherman. This is priceless bread. It's actually raisin bread. Anyone like raisins? Oh, you can be nice, but you probably don't, right? <laughs> but, yeah, this is raisin bread right here. In fact, okay, you can you raise your hand. You can have some raisin bread for that with your parents. And then they would also, some of you guys nailed this. So 50% of the diet in the first century was bread. You guys all like bread? Yeah, yeah, we're all bread lovers. But you know what else they'd have? Fish. <laughs> this is a petrified fish that one of our missionaries gave us. This is a piranha. Do you guys like it? Do you guys want it? Anybody want this fish? Anybody want this fish? All right, I'm going to give it right here. You get to keep this fish. You're welcome, parents, right there. Um, so, yeah, so typically they would have bread and fish and then green beans. They would have vegetables. That would be a normal diet in the first century. Okay, one more question before I give you your Skittles. What would you talk about? with Jesus if you had dinner with him tonight? Would you ask him a question? Would you say something to Jesus? What would you, what would you talk about? What my future would be. Oh, that's deep. You would ask what your future would look like. Lord, I just pray that you would make her bold for you in the future. <laughs> what would you say? Uh, bish. <laughs> she said she would give bish. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, what would you talk about with Jesus? I would talk about how get to be. Ooh, you'd ask how old. What do you, how, what do you think is old? I don't know. <laughs> 
46. That's probably what you'd say. Yeah. Uh, anybody else? Well, would you talk about with Jesus? Would you say anything? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe listen. Yeah, what would you say? I'd ask him how I'd die. Ooh, yeah, we got some. Yeah, you'd ask, what's your future? Well, how are you going to die? Yeah. Uh, okay, what, anything else? What would you ask Jesus if you could ask him a question? Yeah, what would you ask him? Um, gee, I don't know. I really like your pants. Those are nice. I like those. Okay, one more. What would you ask Jesus? How old he is. Ooh, yeah, you'd ask Jesus how old he is. I like that. Okay, can we give it up for our Calvary kids? This is amazing. All right, come grab Skittles right here. You know what? Grab two. You get four. Good job, good job. Your parents told me that you could eat those during the service, so that's fine. Go ahead and awesome. You got it. Well done. Well done, guys. Good job, kids. Ooh, there's more. Okay, we'll save these for later. Um, it's a good question, though, huh? If Jesus were to come over today, what would you serve him? What would you talk about? Well, we get an example here in the scriptures of what these guys talked about, what Mary and Martha talked about here in Luke 10, 38 through 42. Luke 10, 38. It says, as Jesus' disciples continued in on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village, and they were invited in by Martha. Now, we know in other texts that Martha's home was in Bethany, two miles outside of Jerusalem. So picture Calvary Church to, I guess I don't need to use this anymore, do I? Um, Calvary Church all the way to uh, the Orange Circle. That's about where Bethany was located outside of Jerusalem. It's to the east of Jerusalem, it's just a stone's throw away from the Mount of Olives where Jesus went with his disciples the night that he was arrested and betrayed. So this is kind of that whole area to the east of Jerusalem. So that's where Mary and Martha's house is. Often Martha gets a bad rap as kind of the bad guy in the story because we read as we just already read that, you know, she criticizes her sister and, and then Jesus calls her back to the main thing. But I do want to note that actually what Martha does here is pretty amazing. She invites Jesus and the disciples in for dinner. She's revealing, showing biblical hospitality. She is a person of peace that, that Luke 10 verse 6 talks about. In fact, back in Luke 9, Jesus warns that, hey, if you go to the villages and the towns and the neighborhoods and, and you're not welcomed in, then, then just leave that area. And so there was places where Jesus was rejected. And here Martha is welcoming Jesus in. And so I don't want us to think that the, the takeaway from even this story and, and this message is stop serving. No. Of anything, I pray that today even encourages, challenges you, pushes you as we look ahead to a new year. God, how would you call me to serve? Martha's doing a good thing. Biblical hospitality. In fact, I, I wrote this in bold letters. I wanted you to see it. When you follow Jesus, you'll want to serve. When you follow him, you'll supernaturally have this desire to serve. The harvest is plentiful. And then we find in verse 39... 
Mary is introduced to the story. This is Martha's sister. Now, this can be a little confusing because there's a lot of Marys in the New Testament. We just were talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's also Mary Magdalene. And there's a Mary that is the mom of Joseph of Arimathea, where has the tomb, the plot, where, where Jesus is later buried. So this is yet another, a fourth Mary introduced to us in the scriptures. We also read about this Mary and her sister Martha in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, if you're familiar with that, area of the Bible is the story of the raising of Lazarus. So Mary is the sister of Lazarus. And we read in John chapter 12 that this same Mary is the one that anoints the feet of Jesus with her hair. And that's where Judas is just repulsed by this uh, not because it was some scandalous, uh, like, sensual act, but because she's using such expensive perfume to anoint Jesus' feet. And, and Judas can't handle that. And that even begins his journey towards um, going against Jesus. So this is the Mary. Not the mother of Jesus, not Mary Magdalene, but a different Mary. And here she is, the text says, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is a really big deal in the first century. To sit at the feet of a rabbi meant that you were their disciple. It meant that you were submitting and surrendering to their leadership and their teaching. It was a sign of humility. And as what Eric talked about as one of our themes for next year, it was a sign of dependence. So here is Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's showing that she is a disciple, a follower of Jesus. She's humbled herself, submitted herself. She's placing her dependence on her teacher. Now, this was a crazy, crazy thing to think about in the first century, having a woman do this. Because, ladies, in this culture... Women weren't allowed or accepted. The door was not open for them to follow a rabbi, to to be an official disciple. And so for a woman to sit at the feet of a teacher, it just didn't happen. Here is Jesus once again showing us that he came for all. Amen? Men, women, free servants, rich poor, the righteous, and the unrighteous. Jesus came for all. He allows Mary to sit at his feet. Huge deal in the first century. When you follow Jesus, you'll naturally, or should I say supernaturally, want to sit with him. So you'll supernaturally want to serve him, and you'll supernaturally want to to sit with him. And then we get to verse 40. This would be when the reality TV show would kick in. Because <laughs> everything's pretty simple the first couple of verses. Martha's serving, Mary's sitting, but then look what happens in verse 40. It says, But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing, and she came to Jesus. And we'll get to what she says in a moment. That word distracted in the original language literally means to be pulled 
away. So think of someone just getting ripped like by a rip current in the water. Like they just get swept out to sea. So, so Martha, she, she wants to be with Jesus. She wants to hear what she, he's going to say. But, but she just gets pulled away to the tasks that need to be done to prepare the meal. And then she goes on to say this. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Anyone relate to a sibling rivalry there? Like, yeah, you're just, yeah, sisters, siblings. And then Martha tells Jesus these words. Tell her to come and to help me. So there's a lot going on right here. One, Martha is criticizing her sister. She's, to use a 21st century term, she's throwing her sister under the bus. <laughs> I'm doing all the work. And Mary is just sitting here. So she's criticizing her sister. And she's exhibiting some self-pity. She says, Lord, it seems unfair. That can be translated to mean, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care about me? It's the same word term that's used when the disciples are out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is sleeping and the storm rises up. And the disciples look at Jesus and they say that same term. They say, don't you care about us in the storm? As Jesus just quietly, peacefully sleeps. One of the signs that we're living with an empty cup, so to speak. One of the signs that our serving is outdoing our sitting. Is we become critical of others. And we have self-pity on ourselves. And then here's a third sign. We get real controlling. Here's Martha telling Jesus what to do. Tell her to help me. <laughs> so here she is. Self-pity, critical, and controlling. Signs that our service is outpacing our sitting. But look what Jesus does. Verse 41. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha. So good. You got to hear this today. My dear Martha. What this meant in context and maybe in other translations you've read. He repeats Martha's name twice. Martha, Martha. And it's not done like in a way where you're, remember when your mom would say your first and your middle name and that meant you were in trouble? <laughs> That's not what Jesus is getting at here. The tone, the context is one of grace. Is one of empathy and understanding. He says, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. Could that just be the sentence of 2021? <laughs> you're worried and you're upset about all these details. That's us. That's me. And then Jesus goes on in this passage to say this. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. So Jesus, again, reorients things. In the earlier story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan is the hero, which is totally flipped the script. 
Here he's flipping the script again over this righteous, moral-based, religious culture. That in order to gain God's favor, you had to do stuff. And here's Jesus living out the kingdom. Upside-down kingdom. And he's saying the most important thing Mary's doing. Mary is sitting with me. Martha, there's a lot of things you can be upset, you can be distracted about. But Mary's got it right. Mary's priorities are right. Sit with me. And I want us to hear that here today. First sit and then serve. (laughs) The words on the screen are so big, they're almost like a little bit like graceless, right? Sit then serve, all right? (laughs) But I want you to hear the tone of Jesus. Martha, Martha, he has empathy, grace, right? This is a welcome invitation, not some legalistic uh, just call. So Jesus is saying, sit, then serve, get your priorities right. You know, there, there might be reasons that it's hard for us to sit with Jesus. Maybe uh, for some of us, It's just hard to sit with Jesus because we're scared of what he might say. If we really quiet ourselves and we sit here with Jesus, we're worried about the guilt and the condemnation that will come our way. But I want you to think about what we just celebrated with Christmas. Jesus being born in a messy, dirty stable. Jesus coming in to our broken world, willingly entering in to our messy, dirty world. You guys, Jesus can handle all the messiness and dirt of our lives. Amen? If you feel guilt and condemnation, if you're worried about guilt, condemnation, when you sit with Jesus, oh, that's not God's heart. You know, sometimes I'll run into a friend who has left me a voicemail or a text message and and I haven't responded back yet. And there's kind of like that awkward moment, right? Like, hey, yeah, oh, I owe you a text. Or, uh, yeah, oh, I got your voicemails, haven't had time. I've been really busy, really busy. That was eight weeks ago, Matt. I, I know, but it's just been like a lot going on, right? And there's like kind of like this like shame and this feeling of like, are we, are, are we good? We never get that with Jesus. When we sit with Jesus, there's never a sense, where have you been? How come you haven't been around? Well, you got to do a couple things before, you know, our, our relationship is restored. No. Every time I sit with Jesus, no matter how long it's been, Jesus is like, welcome. Enjoy me. I'm here to enjoy and to be with you. Others of us, we, we have a hard time sitting because we're angry at God. If we really were to sit with Jesus, we're afraid of of what would come out. Jesus, you did not heal this person that I was praying for for so long. Jesus, the script of my life is so much different than I wanted. Yet, you look at the scriptures. God's big enough to handle our laments. A third of the Psalms are laments to God, are the writers crying out and saying, God, where were you? I'm sad. I'm hurting. I'm angry. The whole book of Lamentations in the Old Testament is about the prophet lamenting, God, where are you? I'm sad. 
God can handle our anger, our pain, our grief. When, when you sit with him, he meets you there. Others of us, though, it's, it's hard to sit with Jesus because we're like Doug from the movie Up. <laughs> Do you remember that uh, character in the movie Up? Doug is this happy-go-lucky dog, but uh, he gets focused on one thing, and then he sees a squirrel. He's like, squirrel, 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 squirrel. And that's us, right? That's me. I uh, was sitting this morning with Jesus, like practice what you preach, right? So I have like the perfect environment. I have my living room next to the Christmas tree. I lit our little gas fire. I had my warm cup of coffee, my Bible, had my nice blanket. I was like, ah, this is good. I'm just going to sit with you, Jesus, prepare my heart just to share with my brothers and sisters here today. And all of a sudden I'm like, did I check my fancy football uh, roster? (laughs) Uh, I have to pack the car. We're leaving today for NorCal. Like, do I need to do anything for that? This coffee probably needs some cream. Uh, (laughs) It's just our lives, right? Maybe it's guilt that keeps you from sitting. Maybe it's anger that keeps you from sitting. Maybe it's just the distractions of this world and a smartphone culture. But I encourage us as we end this year and as we look ahead, let's sit with Jesus. It might not look perfect. There might be some some highs and lows, some, some steps back, but it's worth it. It's worth it. When you sit with Jesus, it's worth it. Out in the lobby, I believe we have some copies and also online, and it was emailed if you're on our email list. We're giving you a seven-day devotional. And it's seven days to sit with Jesus this week. We were thinking, okay, some of you students, you're off all week, no homework. Yes. Some of you have an easier schedule this week. Others of you have to go to work, but you can say that famous line, hey, let's circle back in the new year. <laughs> it's this kind of in-between week, Christmas and New Year's. I want to encourage you to sit with Jesus. The devotional online in the lobby, you can grab it. Just a, a short scripture, a couple of questions to think through. But really, it's just trying to provide you with some encouragement to sit with Jesus. And then here's the last thing. This, this is the best news. Jesus came and he sat with us. Now I'm talking about us sitting with Jesus, but Jesus came and sat with us first. I read a quote this week that I just loved. I'm like, oh, I have to share it with you guys. Many babies have become kings. Only one king became a baby. Isn't that good? Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 says it like this. That God came into our world, Emmanuel. He really came. He really came. He he sat with us. You know, a lot of people say, look what's happened to our world. This world is crumbling. It's terrible. Uh, It's never been worse. But as followers of Jesus, as those that are given the invitation to sit with Jesus, we can say something different. We can say, not look what's happened to the world. We can say, look who's come into the world. 
That's Jesus. Jesus came to sit with us first. Jesus demonstrated his love. Jesus demonstrated his humility. Jesus demonstrated his dependence on the Father. Jesus demonstrated that he wanted to have a relationship with us. Accomplished through his sinless life on the cross, dying not for his sins, but for our sins. And then on the third day, that other Mary's son, Joseph of Arimathea, put in that grave. On the third day, Jesus rose again conquering death, overcoming sin, and he's alive today. And whoever believes in the name of Jesus, whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And then you can sit in this chair knowing there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I've been made new in Jesus. So let me just enjoy that relationship. Sit and then serve. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your demonstration of coming into our world to sit with us. God, I can think of a hundred other ways you could have done it that would have uh, maybe, quote unquote, been easier, maybe been more dignified. But God, you chose to come in a lowly state to sit amongst us. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, as those who are made new in you, who have become followers of you, God, would you give us this wonderful opportunity? Would you you just strengthen us to sit with you this week, to enjoy your presence, to grow in our relationship with you, to hear you say, we're your child. God, give us room, give us opportunities to do that this week. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name, Emmanuel, God with us, amen.